Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for our Great Commission season, which wraps up today, is no better appropriate, no more appropriate than the words of the Great Commission itself from Matthew chapter 28. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And yes, lo, I will be with you always, even to the very end of the age. And this is, without a doubt, the very word of our God as it is found in Matthew 28. Christ is risen. Last well, pastor said the last four weeks we've been focusing on those four alls, all authority, all nations, all I have commanded you, and today I am with you always. We've also paired those with the four W's of our mission statement at Christ our King. Uh, we will glorify God in our worship, in our study of His Word, in our witness, and in His work so that all people might become devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Today we focus on this comforting word, always. You know, always is a great word, but I suppose it depends upon uh, your perspective. Uh, there was a, a burglar breaking into a house, kind of a shady looking character there, uh, breaking into a house, he had just uh, got through the window, just got his feet on the ground, when all of a sudden he heard a voice. Jesus is watching. He was startled, stopped in his tracks. But once he got his feet on the ground, he started moving in the dark toward the valuables. He once again heard this voice in the darkness. Jesus is watching. He decided that he would follow the voice and he followed the voice to a birdcage. A parrot was in there. He said to the parrot, did you say Jesus is watching? And the parrot said, yes I did. And the burglar said, and what's your name? And the parrot said, my name is Moses. And the burglar said, what kind of dummy would name their parrot Moses? And the parrot said, the same dummy who named his pit bull Jesus. <laughs> now, that's probably not the best way to start out the sermon today. But uh, again, always, Jesus is always watching, is, depends upon your perspective. Again, as a believer, as a Christian, uh, always to me is, again, a comforting and a positive word. And in the Greek, the word always has this nuance of 24 7, 365 days. The word always has special meaning to me. And I'm sure it has special meaning to you. It has special meaning in times of uncertainty, in times of fear, and certainly in times of loss. You know, 2,000 years ago, Jesus went for a walk. It would be his last walk on planet Earth. His footsteps would lead him to a mountain in Palestine, and there he would meet up with his disciples. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. 
And to banish their doubts and fears, Jesus said the strangest thing to them. He said, I will be with you always, even to the very end of the age. Why did he say those words? Well, of course, we know soon he would ascend into heaven. They were the last words that he would spoke to his disciples. But he wanted to remind them that he would never leave them or forsake them. Now many years later, his words have proven to be no empty promise, no idle boast. There is ample evidence before us that Jesus continues to be with us always. Although we have not seen him with our physical eyes, we have God's promise that he is with us. Remember those words of scripture where he says, wherever two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am. He is here with us as we speak. He promises to be with us in his word. He promises to be with us in the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper. Make no mistake about it, he is with us, still present on this earth today. His Holy Spirit has brought us to faith. You know, I will never fully understand why God chose me. Because I have no special merit. I am a sinner, just like the rest of us. But God the Holy Spirit came upon me in my baptism and did for me what I could never do for myself. You see, my story, my life really revolves, as yours does too, around the words, I am with you always. And I pray this morning that my story is also your story. From little on, I didn't realize how blessed I was to have parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles and vacation Bible school teachers and helpers and Sunday school teachers and pastors and teachers who taught me to know and trust in Jesus as my Savior. And it's been my awesome privilege these many years as a pastor and a teacher to tell thousands of people about Jesus. You see, this Jesus that we know and that we worship and believe in is more than just what some people think an historical figure. He is more than just some sort of dry doctrine. He is mine. He is your personal Savior. You know, even the angels on Christmas morning, they give us a clue who this Jesus is. What did they say? Unto you is born this day in the city of David, a what? A Savior who is Christ the Lord. A Savior who loves us so much that he would send his Son to purify us from all of our sin. And then Jesus gives the church, the disciples, he gives us these marching orders. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. All authority. Go and make disciples. You know that authority is a word that a lot of people don't like today. And they don't like authority figures. And sometimes they use authority in a disgusting way. 
And sometimes people use authority for good. I think there's a four ways that people use authority. Some people, first of all, refuse authority. And sadly, they refuse to believe and live under God's authority. Why? Because they want to be their own authority. They want to be their own God. Secondly, other people can abuse authority. All you have to do is turn on the television set to see how people in their sinfulness abuse and use authority to run rough shot over other people and how they even abuse God's authority in the way they use His name and the way they treat Him. But there are good ways to use authority. We can use authority for the good for the well-being of others, and I'm thankful for the godly use of authority, especially of my parents who had the nerve to tell me at times, no, and yes, we're going to church today. And I thank God for godly authorities and first responders who use that authority out of love to protect and guide and direct our lives. And finally, authority can be infused. I saw that at Vacation Bible School this week. Over and over, meaning to instill a principle or a quality for good. Isn't that what God instructs us to do, especially as parents? Train up a child in the way they will go. And when they're old, they will not depart from it. Jesus preferred these last two uses of authority. And that brings me to the uh, word today, the W word, which is some people consider a four-letter word, and they can't stand the word work. You know, our mission statement says we will glorify God in our work. Now, make no mistake about it. We are saved. We know we're saved by what? God's grace alone. Vance Schutz, your favorite Bible passage is what? And uh, he is exactly right. That's my favorite one, too. For it is by what? Grace that you have been saved. And this is not of yourself. It is a gift from God so that no one can boast. But then, you know, as uh, Lutheran Christians, we love those words, but we often forget the next verse, verse 10, which says what? We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God has prepared in advance for us to do. Because God has given us this awesome gift of forgiveness and eternal life. It's just natural then that we would want to respond with gratitude in our heart and go to work in God's vineyard, in God's mission field. Matthew 28 it's called the Great Commission for a reason, because behind those words is an even greater commission, as it is the combined, cooperative, and perfectly coordinated mission of our triune God. And the church's marching orders literally flows from God's mission to our work. Our mission to make disciples of all nations finds its source, finds its promise in God alone. How important it is for us as God's people to confess and rejoice that the greatest missionary of all is who? 
It's God. It is our Heavenly Father. Think about the Father's work. In the first article, the Father's work is that of what? Creation. What is the work of the Son? It's redemption. And what is the work of the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is sanctification. He is the one that brings us to faith and keeps us ever growing in our faith. Mission work brings with it the very heart of God, His love for all the world. God's mission work centers in His Son. You know this story so well. God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. Through His life, death, and resurrection, He calls, gathers, enlightens, and brings us to faith. And without His work, no one could believe in Jesus Christ. But you know what? Now God's work is also our work. We share in God's work. You know, sometimes, uh, here's a great example of God at work with the children this week. You know, I saw children here who've never been here before. Some of them have never heard of Jesus. They asked some really profound questions, didn't they? And, and you know, what greater joy than using your spiritual gifts, time, talents, and treasures, not only the people who were here volunteering, but you as a body of believers who make things like vacation Bible school and Sunday school and uh, mission trips and a whole host of other things possible by your gifts and your prayers. You know, work is not always easy. Work is not always convenient. Some people might call me a workaholic, but you know, most of the time, I like work. I like work because uh, I like to try to, uh, at the end of the day, think to myself, at least I accomplished something, maybe something that made a, an eternal difference in the lives of others. I remember one of my uh, teachers said, you know, you're going to be a Lutheran school teacher. Uh, it's going to be hard work. You're not going to make a lot of money. But think about how many lives you get to impact eternally. Think about someday getting to heaven, and maybe you see just one other person up there that God has used you in a little way to tell them about Christ Jesus. Today is also a special day. You didn't talk about it yet, but what else is happening today in the service? We're installing our uh, council and elders. Yeah, and going to work for a new program year, not just council and elders, but really it ought to be an installation of all of us, right? You know, the first words of the Great Commission are the word what? Go. You know, what do you think of when you hear the word go? And how many times has someone told you to go? Sometimes people tell me to go to the wrong place. Uh, uh, I've been told that. Uh, one time I preached a sermon up at Camp Arcadia, and this guy said to me before I went into the pulpit, he says, give them heaven. Not give them the other place, but give them heaven. Go. How many times did your mom say, go, do the dishes? Go, do your homework. Go, take out the garbage. Go, milk the cows. You know, go implies doing something. Something must be done. It also implies a sense of urgency. I'm sure when my mom said, go do the dishes, she wasn't thinking, you know, two or three days from now or when you get around to it.
God says to us, go. God says to us, take action. It's an urgent matter. Go baptize. Go teach people about Jesus. One of the reasons I was moved to be in the ministry in the first place, people ask me, how did you get involved in the ministry? You know, believe it or not, it was at a U of M football game. I remember walking into that stadium when I was about seven years old, seeing all those people there. I'd never seen that many people in my whole life. And you know what I thought to myself? I remember thinking, I wonder how many of these people are saved. I wonder how many of these people are going to be in heaven someday. Jesus gave us a command to go to work before the night of judgment day comes when no one can work. Jesus gave the church its marching orders. Go implies not only go, but in the Greek it has this nuance of continue to go. Remember Jesus when he was, uh, what, 12 years old? He went to the temple with his parents. All the people from the town, they journeyed there together and they would journey home together. And as they were making their way home, Jesus wasn't with them. And remember, his parents went back to the temple to find him and they found him. And I'm sure that the parents were a little bit irritated. And what did Jesus say? I must be about my what father's business the father's business for jesus involved two things first of all he must fulfill the father's plan to go to the cross to suffer and die for our sins and secondly his father's business is to proclaim that good news that redemption to other people you know the word go is followed by the words go ye or you go kind of reminds me of a car you go no uh, you go it's a call not just for a few but it's a call for all God calls ordinary people just like us to do extraordinary things and sometimes for me that call to go as pastor talked about it in the children's message this morning sometimes I that, that word go means go to the grocery store. I can't tell you how many times the last few years I've had the opportunity to pray with and witness people at the grocery store. Or go to the barber shop. Or go to the funeral home. Or go to the hospital. The first call I ever made in the ministry was to go to the hospital to a visit a guy that our pastor didn't really get along with. So he wanted to send me. And guess what the guy's name was? Scare, what's the most scary name on the face of the earth? Adolf. <laughs> Adolf. Apparently this guy used to, uh, made a habit of chewing up every pastor that came to St. John's. So he sends me. I knock on the door of his room. I say, uh, can I come in? He says, it depends upon who you are. He let me in and we talked and and I asked him permission if I could pray with him guess what he prayed with me and I greeted him and I said I'm looking forward to seeing you again thanks 
for praying with me. Thanks for Jesus, our Savior. And I left the hospital. I got in my car. I drove 20 minutes back to church. When I got to church, the pastor said, you'll never guess what happened. After you left, he died. He died, which was a powerful message to me when God says, go, go. You never know. God has sent me, a couple of months ago, he sent me to a woodpile out behind my house. I wasn't planning on telling anybody about Jesus at a woodpile. But I'm standing out there, and all of a sudden this guy comes up behind me, and he's a mutual friend of my friend Mark, who has cancer. He used to be Mark's old teacher. And he wanted to know how our mutual friend Mark was doing. And so we talked about Mark, and I said, uh, well, I tell you what, why don't we pray for Mark right now? And you know what he said to me? He said, you know that I'm not a Christian. I said, yeah, I know you're not a Christian, but let's pray anyway. He folded his hands, and he bowed his head, and he prayed with me. I don't know if he's a Christian or not, but that day, the seeds were planted. That's what a farmer does, right? That's what you as a Christian does. You plant the seeds. You know, if our church is like most churches, most people come to know Jesus through people like you, a friend, a neighbor, a relative. Mission work is done in all parts of your life, the strangest places, at work, at play, and even at the barber shop or the woodpile. But I'm just about done here, but I gotta warn you about the Great Commission because the devil is gonna throw up all kinds of excuses for being about God's work. One of the first excuses that the devil always throws at us is what? I don't have time. You know, I don't know about you, but I usually find time to do what I want to do. God has given us time. Time, today is what? The day of salvation. Time. A second excuse that the devil uh, always whispers in our ears is, uh, you know what, Pastor Tom, you're not qualified. You know, I've had that my whole life. You're not as smart as your brother. You can't do this. You're not qualified. And that's true, I'm not qualified. But God's work, done in God's way, will never lack God's supply. Look at the disciples. They weren't qualified. God took ordinary people, just like us, and he qualifies them. The third excuse is probably the most dangerous one. The devil whispers in our ears when it comes to the Great Commission, and he says, you know what? The Father's work, it's boring. It's useless. It is a waste of time. He will tempt us to buy into that argument. He will tempt us to look to activities outside of kingdom work that seem more glamorous and more fulfilling. You know, I know and you know from personal experience that there is nothing more fulfilling than being used by God like at Vacation Bible School this week, right? Or like when you get the opportunity 
to pray or share Jesus with another person. So praise God today, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Praise God for his awesome, precious promise to be with you always. In the good times, the difficult times, times of fear, times of loneliness, times of uncertainty. So say these words with me as we come to a close today. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And lo, I will be with you always, even to the very end of the age. And finally, remember, remember whose you are. You belong to Jesus Christ, crucified, risen again from the dead, today, tomorrow, and for all eternity.